This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, let's finish the work week strong. For me, at least. I'm back on Saturday. What am I talking about? Ty Butler going to a midnight, filling in for Larry and Gordon right here on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, you know the vibes. 800-919-3776. Ring me up. Let's have conversations. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. I'm on Instagram as well. I mean, at some point, we do have to address the Jets embracing the Super Bowl aspirations. A lot of Super Bowl chatter for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 12 years. And you know I'd be the first to tell you I have this team going deep and nothing would make me happier than them hanging a banner. But is it too premature? Are they talking too much? We'll get into that. Hear from Joe Douglas, Robert Sala. The Giants spoke today, and I think Shane and Dable, as I've mentioned in the past, are loving that their team, despite the fact that they were the ones who made the playoffs, won the playoff game, and have been way more of a functional organization than the team they share the stadium with. I think they enjoy flying under the radar. I think they enjoy the position they are in, everyone picking against them as far as at the very least getting back to the postseason. And you, you'd have to believe uh, that's how he's motivating his guys in the locker room. So we'll get into that as well. But we, of course, have to start with the New York Yankees. So Mark Dittler of the Associated Press Sports is going to join us at 1030 to discuss the column he wrote uh, when he interviewed Hal Steinbrenner and the things that he had to say about changes that could be on the horizon. Never in the piece mentioned that Brian Cashman's job was in jeopardy or that of Aaron Boone, but he did say uh, there are going to be some tough questions, reiterating that sentiment, and that they're going to have to bring in, uh, it looks like, a third party to come in and evaluate their analytics department. So I'm excited to talk to Mark. We do that at 1030. If I had Hal in front of me, my question to him would be this. If you could do it all over again, you go back to last offseason. Your team just got embarrassed by the Astros in the championship series. It was not even close. Don't give me injuries. You watched it. They did not deserve to be on the same field as that team. You could go back and do it all over again. You still giving Cashman that extension? Maybe, because there's no way you could have envisioned this happening. Like, even the most pessimistic Yankees fan didn't see them being on the cusp of finishing under 500 for the first time in 11, or 31 years and being in the basement of this division for the first time in 33 years. You, you didn't see that happening. I'll give them credit. Because fans like myself were sounding the alarms on this team that was just severely flawed that they decided to run back. But at no point did we think we'd get to the middle of August and there was a question as to whether or not the Yankees should actually be sellers at the deadline. So, case can be made. How goes back to last season, last offseason. Yes, he still gives Brian the extension. I would argue it's a mistake, but you can certainly make a case why you could see him going in that same direction. Try to ask him another question. Let's just pretend last year wasn't the final year of Cashman's contract. Let's just say 
this was the final year of his deal. At the end of this season, based on everything we've watched, not just this year, but the last 14, you giving him another contract? You giving him another extension? If this is the final year of his deal, and you guys go into negotiations in November, after the World Series is over, a World Series you will now have not taken part of the last 14 years, even though that's your mission statement, it's championship or bust. Weird how that works. You consider it a failure, but you keep employing the same guys who are responsible for said failure. But question to you is, would you give him an extension? Because if the answer is no, then that means you should fire him at the end of this year. If you wouldn't give him an extension, you should fire him. Because the reason you retain him can't be his contract. That's not good enough. You're the New York Yankees. You're the most valuable franchise, maybe in all of sports. The Cowboys certainly up there. The The reason you're bringing him back can't be, well, he's got three years left on his deal. Don't want to pay someone to not work. I understand that shrewd businessmen and women don't want to engage in the crime of paying people to go away and not to work for you. It's just, in some ways, fiscally irresponsible. But that same businessman has to look at the product on the field and see that maybe the asset isn't depreciating because the, you know, the team, if you sold it today, look at how, many, how much you'd be able to get for them. But this isn't what you're accustomed to seeing. And it's not just the, 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 the bad record. It's how many outs are we running into on the base paths? How many PR disasters have we had this year with allowing Rizzo to play 10 weeks with post-concussion syndrome? The Harrison Bader debacle, how does he find out he's no longer going to be on this team by watching it on SportsCenter? I mean, just look at everything that went down, the Domingo Herman mess. All of this happening on, on your watch, it's not, it's not Yankees-like. So you've got a lot of cleaning up to do. But the reality is, I think, very simple. How does it want to fire Brian? He's too loyal to a fault. What he does know, however, is that something has to be done. His fan base isn't stupid. And right now, they're like sharks smelling blood. But I think in a perfect world for the Yankee brass, here's what happens. Dominguez, Wells, Pereira, Volpe, and Peraza, they all pop. And we end the season saying, these are five guys we could definitely see being part of the solution next year. They excel. And then what you do, if you're the Yankee brass, is you sell your fan base on this young core being ripe for harvest heading into 2024. We're not that far off. And then, as the story alludes to in the AP, you overhaul your entire analytics department to show that you did make changes, to show that, yes, you still are emotionally invested. That's what you, that, that's what I think they would do in a perfect world. Because again, 
You listen to how he doesn't want to fire Cashman. You hear everyone in the know in baseball say, well, he's part of the family. You think he wants to fire a family member? He is way too loyal. And if he didn't fire him at the end of last year's debacle, then I, I understand this year is worse, but it wouldn't have been easy to just part with him a year ago. Contract's over. This thing has run its course. Time to move on. But he didn't do that. And what to me is so mystifying reading this piece is you see quotes like, well, that's why I didn't want to trade these guys. And he's talking about the young players who uh, just came up. I didn't want to trade these guys at the trade deadline. We traded away too many guys the last few years. Okay, well, who's responsible for that? Another quote, this year was obviously unacceptable. Who's responsible for that? We know the answer to that question. How doesn't want to fire Cashman, though? Cashman doesn't want to fire Boone, and everyone just wants to pretend this is an aberration. You go out there and cite the track record that everyone has with, you know, Boone's the only manager in MLB history to make the playoffs and all of his first five seasons. And look at Cashman, how, you know, the Yankees have only played in 18 meaningless games throughout his tenure and blah, 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 blah. They want to move on with the same regime. And that's what I'm fearful of. We've been beaten to death with this notion that the entire sport is heavily involved with analytics, and it's true, but it has allowed the Yankees to push this narrative. And if they do decide to bring people back and just you know, revamp the analytics department, it will allow them to push across this narrative that the most important division of the organization has been remodeled, and now they're primed for takeoff. We can all see it happening. It was smart of them, even if Dominguez and Wells aren't ready for the big leagues, which I'm very curious. Are, did they make this decision to bring these guys up because they feel like they're ready and what best is going to serve the purpose of their development is getting them up here against big league pitching? Or was it a sign of desperation because you want to keep the fans invested and interested and keep those Yes Network uh, ratings good? I'm very curious about that. It's one. It's a question I don't think we'll ever get the answer to. But all of that to say this. You are now tasked with fixing the biggest mess you've had to oversee as the owner. Because, yes, like his father, George was the you know was in charge during some bad seasons and and we saw how he dealt with that how's in this situation for the first time and when they missed the playoffs in what was that 14 that was 13 14 and 16 so three times in a four year span they missed the playoffs you could understand it because they were aging out some some veterans and and really just all-time players with Rivera and with Jeter and then we saw A-Rod and that team wasn't expected to do anything. But it's really different when you start the season with the second highest payroll. Their their tax bill is going to be $295 million. And that's going to net them zero playoff wins. So the owner has to be ticked. But what does it mean in the end? Because I don't buy anything that he's saying. I need to see the results. I need to be 
in a in a in a space where what I'm watching is a reflection of you being of that championship or bust mentality. I need to know that you're so disappointed. We're not just going to put lipstick on a pig. No. This this entire operation is getting blown up. So I'm curious to see. 800-919-3776. At least it makes for a fascinating offseason. You'll get that with both the Yankees and the Mets. And the Mets made some changes today firing a bunch of people. So there's a lot happening. And, and, and no one expected it. We thought we would get playoff baseball at City Field, at Yankee Stadium, and maybe seven times in those respective ballparks late into October October and early November. And now we've got questions everywhere on both teams, up and down the roster, with management, with the brasses. To quote the old uh, Yankee skipper Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. 800-919-3776, we're rolling. We're with you until midnight tonight. As I mentioned, uh, Mark Dittler, who wrote that piece for AP Sports, is going to join us in about 15 minutes. So I'm excited to talk to him. whole lot to get to. Football on the table, of course, as we get closer and closer. We are a week away from kickoff. Chiefs-Lions. And I feel like, man, I I just feel that itch. I feel that itch that's hitting me right now. I feel that itch. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I I wonder, and we're going to get to your phone calls at 800-919-3776. I wonder if we're underrating this whole Chris Jones thing with the Chiefs. Like, their defense at best is mediocre. And, of course, the offense is going to get talked about more than anything since they employ the best quarterback in the NFL and possibly the most talented quarterback ever. And and we've seen Mahomes five straight years as the starter for the Chiefs, five straight years in the AFC Championship game, three years he's been in the Super Bowl, he's won two, two Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs. I mean, the resume already uh, for him is just insane. It's off the charts. But Chris Jones, that is a vital piece for that defense. And, you know, the Jet fans out there, you saw yesterday, it was an hour, maybe a couple, two days ago, that Von Miller is going to remain on the pup list for Buffalo, which means you won't see him in week one. You got to be rooting for Chris Jones to, you know, have this holdout extend at least past week four so your offensive line doesn't have to deal with him. But I I just wonder, and part of as I'm saying this, I'm reminded of the silliness that last year we— we went through with the whole Tyreek Hill thing. And, you know, the Chiefs offense is going to be a lot different. They don't have Tyreek Hill, and they go they go out there. Their offense did not look any worse. And, you know, a bunch of Sky Moors and name that receiver. Kelsey, of course, the tight end is their best weapon, but it just didn't matter. Mahomes on one leg. I don't know. He beats the best team in football in the, in the Super Bowl. So maybe it doesn't matter, but you're always looking at cracks. And that could possibly be one uh, in the AFC. 800-919-3776. Terrell is in Brooklyn. He passed lead off tonight. What's going on, Terrell? Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm a big fan of this show. Appreciate you. I, um, so I heard you, you know, venting a little bit about the baseball season and what's going on with the Yankees. And 
I want to let you and all the fellow New Yorkers out there know that there's going to be much more pain to come. Ah, man. Unfortunately, I think the Giants and the Jets are due for the most disappointing season in the last 40 years. Well, well so hang on one second, Terrell. I, I see you on my screen here, and I just want to verify that this is accurate. You're a Cowboys fan. Yes, sir. So let's just take the Giants out of the equation because we both would acknowledge that it's hard for you to be objective when talking about the Giants, even though you've gotten the better of them since 2016. They haven't beaten you. But it's hard as a division rival to be objective. So let's just remove the Giants for the, from the equation just for, for a moment here. Why are you so I down on the Jets? Okay, so a big part of it, to be honest with you, is hard knocks. Um, one, I wasn't a huge fan of the Aaron Rodgers signing to begin with. You know, I think time is undefeated. Tom Brady was an anomaly, but then again, it really wasn't because we saw what the Cowboys did to him his last year. I don't see why Aaron Rodgers would be any better than that. Um, you said what the like, Cowboys um, did to Rodgers or with the Niners? No, to Tom Brady. Oh, to, to, to Brady. Yeah, I mean, Brady was yeah. much older, and Rodgers is better now than Brady was last year. You see, and that I'm not so sure about especially when you factor in that offensive line or lack thereof that they have for the Jets right now. I think it's going to expose a lot of deficiencies in that offense, which they weren't great to begin with. The defense, okay, I'll give you that. The defense is solid, but I think the league is going to figure them out this year, and they're going to have a field day putting up points against them. So a field day? They a so they're going, to go from, they're going to go from being a top-four defense, and you say field day, which means they're, they're bottom third, that that that's the regression you're looking at this year with this Jet defense. I got them middle of the pack at best. All right, so Terrell, here's what I want you to do because you, you sound like a you know, sound like a good guy. Uh, I I love that you are able to be honest. So I'm on the air with Brandon Jacobs week one and week two, which so happens to be the day that the Jets and the Cowboys match up for a nice little date. I want you to call up the station. I w- I want to have this back and forth with you again. And once the Jets. Beat your Cowboys because you know Dak's got a couple pick sixes he wants to throw. He, he just loves throwing the ball to the other team. <laughs> so once that happens, I want to hear from you week three as well, so we can chop it up to see if your uh, your prediction is going well. Because I think the Giants are going to beat y'all Sunday night football. Then I think the next week you you're going to lose to the Jets. You're starting no one too. That's just my opinion. We'll see what happens. But I want to hear from you. Listen, it'd be my absolute pleasure to call back in the the. the throw that victory in your guys' face. <laughs> so I, I will more more definitely be calling back in week three. All right, I mean, man. Now, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a prediction. All right, let's hear it. 35-14. Uh, which game? Which game? Giants or Jets? Oh, the Jets. On the Giants, we're shutting them out. They Shut- might get a field goal, maybe. But wow. it's probably going to be close to a shutout. So all this talk be- about so all this talk about an improved offense, Daniel Jones just got paid. You got Saquon back. Darren Waller, Jalen Hyatt, and they're going to throw up three points in the season opener against against Dallas? Yes. And oh, it's, not, it's nothing against the Giants and their quote-unquote improved offense. I just have a hard time believing that the Cap- Dallas Cowboys defense is going to give up more than six touchdowns for the entire season. Listen, I, I'm, yo, your defense has a chance to be the best in the league. I, I, I'll give you that. And it's not just about Micah Parsons, but... You know, adding Stephon Gilmore that and the enti- the totality of uh, the totality of that union uh, unit, in my opinion, should be special. And I think y'all could be the best defense yeah. in football. Appreciate the call, Terrell. But I, three points, so they're gonna give up three points to the Giants. They're gonna give up fourteen, so seventeen points they will have surrendered the first couple weeks of the season, and they're blowing out the Giants, blowing out the Jets. 
Cowboy fans, Ray Santiago is going to be you know over the moon because he gets to go at Dave after week one. He gets to throw it in the face of uh, Rick after week two. If that happens, man, we're in a world of trouble. James is in Spring Valley. What's up, James? Ty D. Butler, what's going on? I'm fresh from my little vacation in Florida, and I'm back in New York. Man. Oh, wow. Where'd you go Where'd you uh, go to in Florida? I was in Tampa. I saw the Yankees do what they do best, um, lose, unfortunately. Wait, so did you, did you get to chop it up with Hal Steinbrenner? Did you get the uh, questions that the fans are asking? You got to have your boots to the ground. To. He was dunking. Wait. He, he, he was dunking me, t- man. He nah. was dunking me. Wait, hang on. The, 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 the company has to have you on assignment. You get, you get the, the company <laughs> credential. You can't be ducking you. I, I, I saw y'all at Yankee Stadium in a suite hanging out with Cashman. So I would, I would imagine you've got the, the inside scoop, the, a way to get to how. Nah, man, he was ducking me, man. Big shout out to the company. Quickly, that boy Terrell who's saying that the Giants are going to lose, I want to call back and rub in his face when the Giants go beat him at home. So tell that Terrell, I'm going I'm to – I'm going to come back and call him week two and saying, how, how about them Cowboys and Danny Dimes <laughs> throw some touchdown passes and Dak throws a pick six to end the, end the game. But that's not why I called. You and I are both Yankee fans. You and I both know that. And I know you're going to interview the man that wrote that article about how bringing in, I guess, a, a, an outside force on the whole analytic division. So here's my question. Is how actually serious, because I'm sure you'll get the actual inside scoop once you interview him, is how actually serious he does that, or he's just doing this to, you know, appease the fans, lip service, saying, hey, I'm upset too. This season is a disappointment, so I'm going to take steps because you and I both know that he doesn't want to fire anyone. How doesn't like fire anyone? So is he just doing this for lip service to throw up fans the bones, or is he actually like serious when he says, hey, you know what? I got to change how we do business around here. Listen, James, appreciate the call. We are going to find out a month from now. Right now, my skepticism's at an all-time high. I just can't buy into words. I've got to see some action. But, you know, coming up next, we'll talk to Mark Dittler, uh, who wrote the article for the AP Sports about Hal Steinbrenner. So we'll chop it up with him, get his insight on what's going on with the Yankees, and then get back to your phone calls at 800-919-3776. Ty Butler going to midnight right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I'm excited to talk to this next guest. Uh, he is a writer for AP Sports, broke the story today. In a conversation with Hal Steinbrenner, who is going to do a deep dive on the analytics department. His name is Mark Dittler, and he joins the show. Hey, Mark, how's it going? It's going very well. How about yourself tonight? It's going It's going very well. Uh, I'm looking for some insight, as Yankee fans are. Uh, so let's start here. It's the question that everyone wants to know, based on your reporting, based on conversations you've had. Uh, is it fair to say that Brian Cashman's job is safe? I would say most likely. I mean, it's clear that Hal's going to talk with everybody, and at the end of the, at the end of the day, he'll have to decide officially whether he thinks uh, Brian and Aaron Boone are the right guys to lead the team forward again next year. But he has great respect for Brian Cashman. I mean, you can never say never, but I would get the impression, the feeling that Brian's a good chance. Most likely, he will be back. 
And uh, so just on that note, is it possible, because you mentioned that they're going to bring in a third party to come in and look at their analytics department, which we'll get to in a moment, but is it possible that doing this could alienate Cashman and he decides he wants to walk away, or uh, am I reading too much into this? It's just a, a gut feeling on my part that I don't think Brian Cashman would walk away. I mean, right now, they're a last-place ball club, and it has to be a very bad taste in everyone's mouth throughout the organization. And at the end of the day, Al Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman want to win. And I think what it does, sometimes having someone outside take a look at an organization is a good thing because they come in with a clean slate, and they look at stuff that maybe you might not look at yourself in-house. I mean, I know sometimes people will point things out to me about how I write and how I do stuff, and it's like, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm going to incorporate that. So I think as many eyes as sometimes you could have on a situation, it can help. But I don't think Brian would walk away from that because at the end of the day, Brian Cashman wants to win, and he wants to win again with the New York Yankees. So my question then becomes – we we keep hearing how is not the baseball mind. He's going to let his baseball people do the baseball things. So who's responsible for bringing in this third party? Is it him? Is it Cashman? Like how how are we putting this party together? To be honest, I'm not at 100% sure, but I will say one thing about Hal Steinbrenner. Obviously, as we talked about for years now, he's not his father. But I will say one thing: he does have some traits when it comes to baseball itself, the baseball operations that he shares with his dad. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, Last week, the Florida Complex League Yankees, which is the rookie-level team that plays at the minor league complex in Tampa, was in the championship series. I was there, you know, and it was a miserable 110-degree heat index day. In the tower watching that game was Hal Steinbrenner. He will go out and he will watch – the minor league games that go on in Tampa, ask questions when he's up there. He just is more of a behind-the-scenes type guy. But you talk to him about players in the farm system, he's very knowledgeable on guys within the farm system. So I think in his own way, he looks at baseball operations a lot differently, obviously, than his father did. They're two different people, as is very commonly talked about all the time. But I think at the end of the day, Hal Steinbrenner will make the call on this stuff in consultation. He's more open than sometimes George would be to listening to people in the organization. But at the end of the day, Hal Steinbrenner is going to make the call on this because, you know, he's the managing general partner. He's the man in charge. And I think his knowledge of the game sometimes is a little bit underrated because he's just not as colorful and outgoing as his dad was. I spent a bunch of years around his father and I mean, George said what was on his mind. Hal is more sometimes thoughtful about some of the stuff he says. We're talking to Mark Dittler of AP Sports. So if the consultation comes in and their recommendation is to part ways with Brian Cashman, what is he going to do? What's Hal going to do there? Well, time I've been around Hal, he'll look at all the facts. And at the end of the day, make what he thinks is the best decision based on all the information he has. One person might say Brian Cashman's got to go, but there probably will be other people who say Brian Cashman 
will say. So I don't think Hal's going to take one group or one person's opinion. He will put it all together and come to a decision, you know, what he thinks is going to be in the best interest of the ball club. So I don't think there's like anything an outside firm will say about analytics is 100% guaranteed to be enacted. But I'm sure there will be some stuff that will take place. I mean, we like to talk about guys that have been around the team for a long time. You go back to like the 94, 95 era when George had the purge, you know, when he basically cleaned out everybody in the farm system and everything. It won't be anything like that, but there's going to be changes because Hal knows that changes have to be made. And the one thing that I picked up from him today is that he's open-minded, open-eyed, very determined, but he's approaching this in a very calm way, which I think is a situation, you know, at least in my opinion, how it needs to be addressed. It can't be emotional right now. It has to be calm, and it has to be fact-driven. And in your estimation, just, you know, judging what this team has been over the last 14 years, has, and I know he hasn't said it publicly, but has the mission statement changed privately where it's no longer championship or bust because it's become harder to win, you know, the infusion of analytics, and you can't just outspend everyone the way George did, you know, during his reign. Like, has that changed, or is it still every year that we don't win a World Series a, a failure? I think it's still mission win the World Series. And just look around baseball in recent years. I mean, if I recall, you can correct me if I'm wrong, didn't like the Atlanta Braves go from last place to the World Series Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it's a situation where I think what's encouraging in my mind from the Yankee standpoint, I mean, I know Hal is very impressed with what Volpe has done, Anthony Volpe this season. I think it was the first Yankee and the 15th overall rookie to have 20 homers and 20 steals. And I think that shows that the Yankees have prospects that can follow in his footsteps. And what's funny is you think about Jason Dominguez who's going to get his chance. And I watched him play in the complex league. I watched him play with uh, single A Tampa or low A Tampa as it is now. And he's one of those guys that you kind of get the feeling every level he's going to go to, he's going to be better because I think he might be the type of guy that needs to be challenged. When he was in a complex league, he was a man among boys in that league. I mean, you know, it's mostly 16, 17-year-old, very raw talent. And I think maybe in some aspects he wasn't challenged by it. But he got to double A, and after a while started to hit. He's been a triple A you know, tearing it up. So I think the Volpe situation, the situation that's kind of setting the table that the Yankees might go back to that early 90s era when they brought in Bernie Williams and Mo Rivera and Jeter and Pettit and all those guys, got a great core from within the organization and then added the Paul O'Neills and the David Cohn to get over the top. I mean, the way baseball is with so many teams making the playoffs now, you get in next year with a Yankee ball club, who knows what could happen. So in my mind, the mission statement hasn't changed. It's still they want to win the World Series. And, you, you know, you talked about Dominguez just now. What can fans expect? Because also, you know, Austin Wells is going to make his debut uh, with the team tomorrow in Houston. So what can f- fans expect to see from him? Well, I think Dominguez, what you're going to see, obviously, is 
he'll probably struggle early on because let's face it, there's no 95 mile an hour sliders and there's not 100 mile an hour cutters in any level of the minor league. So the pitching is going to be much better. But when he was down here, you saw a committed guy who worked hard and wants to achieve and succeed. I think what you're going to see is a guy, if you look at him, you know, he's, he's a strong kid, but it's remarkable how good he is at stealing bases. And I think you're going to see before the end of the year, a guy who could be, in my mind, just my opinion for what it's worth. And even, you know, you talk to some scouts, he's a guy that could be a starting outfielder for the New York Yankees next season. Wow. And with Austin Wells? Austin Wells, the, you know, he's, got a, he's had a very good year. He's, been, he's had some injury problems, so he probably hasn't had the experience and the number of at-bats that Dominguez has had over the course of the year. And uh, you talk to some scouts, and they wonder if catcher will be, you know, will be his long-term position. But of course, then again, that is a grueling position. But the bottom line is at least he's shown at different levels that he can hit. And, you know, like I said, his defense is, is, is good. You know, that's something they'll have to work on to, do, to get him up to the major league level and keep improving. But, I mean, like I said, the door is open for, for guys like him. If they show something these last four weeks of the season, the last month of the season, and come in next spring training and do well, I mean, all bets are off because, I mean, Kyle Higashioka is a fine defensive catcher, hits now and then, you know, and he's, he's a good player. But, you know, he's got a lot, of, a lot of service time, and he's got a lot of years in. You know, and, you know, and sometimes, you know, some fresh young blood does have a way of rejuvenating teams because you know, sometimes you talk with scouts around baseball, and they say sometimes you know, we have all these good veteran players, but let's not trade for veteran players. Let's bring up our young guys, you know, and just have that infusion of excitement. Well, you, know, you get some of these young guys in that Yankee lineup, they're going to be more athletic than some of the guys there today. They're going to have more speed, and they're just going to be hungry. So it brings a whole dynamic that in some ways can lift veteran players you know, have their level go up even higher. So it's going to be a very interesting stretch going into the next season to see how all this plays out. Well, Mark, I, I appreciate you giving us some time today. Great story, and I know you were down there covering – uh, uh, the game. So I appreciate you giving some time to us uh, on this uh, on this Thursday evening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Well, you too. Thanks for having me on. Of course, anytime. That was Mark Dittler of AP Sports. A lot of good insight there. We will react to it next. 800-919-3776. We're on Twitter at Ty D. Butler. Going until midnight right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. At 800-919-3776. Good stuff from Mark there. A lot of anticipation going into the offseason for the Yankees. Big decisions. What do you do do from top to bottom? If you run this thing back, how how is the fan base going to react to that? Lonnie is in Harlem. What's up, Lonnie? Ty Sensei, what's going on? I know Joe's in there with you. Is it Harvey, too? Harvey Harvey is here, man. Messing up on the board as usual. You know how he do. Harvey, my man, what's going on now? First of all, shout out to the company, of course. Now, Harvey, I don't know how you just let this first cowboy 
excuse me, cowgirl fan, the first caller, Tyrell, whatever his name was. Tyrell. Don't be disrespectful. How you let this man come on the airways, Harvey, and talk crap about our Giants? Joe, you too. How you let him talk about this just like that? First of all, time out. This man just said the Cowboys was going to shut out the Giants. He said they might. was going to basically. Yeah, they might put up a field goal. I know know exactly what he said. I know exactly what he said, bro. Don't worry. I got this. Then he said 35-14 to the Jets. I need to know what drug he's on. Because what have the Cowboys amounted to in the last 20 years, Ty? First of all, as far as I'm concerned, the Giants have literally lapped them because we've won two Super Bowls since the, basically since before they even got back into the playoffs. So for this man to come on the radio talking that same garbage that all Cowboy fans love to talk, oh, it's our year. Every year we hear that crap. Stop it. Yo, it's stuff like, yo, are you kidding me, Ty? Yo, I almost lost my mind listening to that crap. The Cowboys stink. They're not America's team because if that's the case, America must be full of losers. <laughs> what has that team amounted to in the last 20 years? Absolutely nothing. Well, Lonnie, so his, respo- Cowboys- Lonnie, his response to you would be that y'all haven't beaten the Cowboys since Dak's rookie season. Does it matter? Have we won Super Bowls in the last 20 years? Thank you. The Cowboys have not done anything. And as far as I'm concerned, Aaron Rodgers smokes the Cowboys. Every year. Do we not remember what he did in that playoff game? That little nice little little pass on the sideline to Jared Cook when the Cowboys swore the game was over? Listen, you got fans crying in the crowd. I don't want to hear none of that. Stop it. I love it, Lonnie. I can't argue with any of that. I appreciate the call. I love the energy. And I, I it, it gets me excited to finally hear Giant fans poking their chest out. Because we've had to deal with for months, like just resigning to this idea that they're going to take a step back. And they're so damn shy about it. You could wallow in your success. You could, you could pump your chest out. You went to the playoffs last year. You won a playoff road game. And I know it's the opponent that you wanted in Minnesota because they proved to be frauds, but it's nothing to apologize about. Giant fans should be ec- ecstatic about this season. And by the way, and I can say this as a Jet fan, Giant fans should be annoyed about all the coverage the other team in town is getting. Because it was the Giants who made the playoffs last year. It's the Giants who have had more success. It's the Giants who have won Super Bowls. So if I, you know, if I'm a Giant fan, I'm listening to Aaron Rodgers call it Jet Life Stadium. I'm like, hold up, brother, I hear you, but rings matter, and, and the Jets have been the little brothers in town for as long as everyone can remember. You haven't been to a Super Bowl in 54 years, so I want that type of static. I want the Giant fans to be going at the Jet fans and, and, and vice versa. I think it makes for for good content. It makes for for vibrancy, something we didn't get a chance to experience during the baseball season, something we were robbed of during the basketball season because the Nets just imploded. And then when the Knicks finally got their act together, that Nets big three was over with. Jose in Brooklyn, what's up? Talk to me. Hey, good evening, Ty. Shout out to the company. Wanted to definitely chime in on the expectations of the New York Jets. I think that, you know, 
I'm kind of actually digging the whole vibe that they're giving off here. They know that, you know, the narrative was Super Bowl or bust by certain media members. You know, some fans have felt that way as well. And this is just, you know, them kind of, you know, acknowledging that and, you know, reveling in it, you know, and I have no problem with it, you know. So that's kind of what my my take on it well look i i appreciate the call jose as always you know nothing but love uh from from me it's i hear you it's just you come across this piece that i want to get into uh and it's something that harvey sent to me it's about the afc quarterback rankings and you go up and down the list the question is is this the most stacked this conference has ever been you look at the quarterbacks in this class, you have three league MVPs with Rodgers, Mahomes, and Lamar, four All-Pros, uh, those three guys I mentioned, plus Josh Allen, and ascending stars like Burrow, who's been to a Super Bowl, like Herbert, who you know just got paid, and Trevor Lawrence, who last year beat Herbert in the playoffs. So it's loaded. It's stacked, which is why people are hesitant to just— say the Jets can win a Super Bowl. It's tough to go from playing in meaningless game after meaningless game to the very next season. All of them matter because you have the seventh best odds to win a championship. So I get if you're a Jet fan why you have trepidation and also get the other side of it. You know, it's been too long since you've had something to be this, this happy about, be this hyped for. It's like I made the analogy, the, the virgin, you know, finally getting spoken to by the girl. By the attractive woman. You know, the 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 muscle tightens up a little bit. Trey's in Brooklyn to get us back on track to avoid me going further down that analogy that could get me kicked off the air. What's up, Trey? Yeah, you were going to another place, man. <laughs> I don't know about how Triple X Butler was going. But I mean, yo, you, you get to this time of night, man, the brain starts shutting down. You get feeling comfortable. You think it's just you family, and one person talking and people are listening. You forget about that. Family, this is not the quiet store, man. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> but not, Todd, yo, I feel what you're saying, you know, with this Jets. Let me, let, let me just chime in real quick. For somebody that lives out of town, right, New Yorkers, we got to stop fighting each other. It's It's, it's corny. We do it with the boroughs. We do it with our teams. The world hates us. I've I've said this so many years on this station. The world can't stand the way we speak, the things that we eat, the pizza, the Chinese food, the way we we are first in everything, the way we are New York, the way they, they hate it. I've lived all over the world, and I'm telling you, by and large, they can't stand us because we are the best, right? So we got to stop this whole Jets Giants thing. But it makes corny. for fun. Nah, no, it's cool. I hear it you, does. Trey. No, it does. But it I, makes for I, fun. It does. It does make for it does make for good banter back and forth. But wouldn't it make wouldn't it make better sense to go after New England? Of course. Well, uh, right, right. Because because I mean we haven't beaten them in how long? When the last time the Jets beat? Twenty fifteen. Come on, talk dirty to me, Todd. Like, we got to take this energy and focus it another way. Because we, we, we can beat each other up, man. We can beat a 50-cent and Ja Rule thing. And we can do, we've done that already. We look foolish when we do that. Who we won that, though? Who, who won that one, by the way? 50 or Ja? 
Man, come on, man. You know who won that, man. That man ain't had a hit since 2003, and he had the Grease video. Come on, man. We we, we can't. We ain't got enough time to talk hip-hop time. You already know that. You know what that, you, that, that went straight. Hey, that went straight to Southside Jamaica, Queens, baby. You oh, already man. Know. So we can't do that. I, and, I, and I get it, man. I get it. Oh, man, you know, Jet Lights. Man, it, it really matters at the end of the day. You know, you know, what, you know what my dream is, Ty? What's that? Jet Giant Let's Super do it in Bowl. the Super Bowl. Let's do it in the Super Bowl. And I get to sit back and I get to watch all these Cowboy fans down here in Texas mad at the world because their team didn't make it, didn't qualify. That guy Terrell that called, let him talk, dog. The Cowboys, true to talk, they've been, they, bro, they ain't been relevant since Tupac Shakur was alive. Oh, that's man. a fact. I'm not we being going mean. Tupac Shakur. No, listen, nah, I mean, that's accurate, mean. though. That, I, that's I accurate. I'm not being mean. The last time, look, we can do the Ether versus Takeover thing. I'm not being mean. Jay was being factual. Nas was being mean. Nah. Don't be mean. I'm gonna be factual. Nah, Nas has some. Nas, Nas has some lies in there. He was making. He had the nursery rhymes. I love Nas, but some of that, some of that wasn't factual. The whole karate it, it was, class. It was, none of it was. Fa- none of it was factual, dog. It was all mean spirited, and that's fine too. You can be mean. It's hip hop. It's a sport. This is a sport. But let's be factual. You catch have not won a Super Bowl since Bill Clinton was in office, oh, dog. Let's, I mean, are we, are we, I'm not being mean to Terrell because he sounds like he's a real knowledgeable caller, <laughs> but let's keep it all the way tall. <laughs> we put, the Giants done put skins on the, on the wall that have been legendary skins, right? Can't argue with that. I, I hear you. I appreciate the, so, the, the, I appreciate the call, Trey. I'm up against the clock. You know how we do, man. That's fun. Giants and Cowboys fans, you, you you can tell we're getting closer and closer to the season. Sunday Night Football, that is going to be a movie. I actually think the Giants are going to win. I feel like I'm a lot higher on the Giants than some Giants fans. I think they're going to win that game. I, I, I love that they've played this under-the-radar vibe tempo heading into what is a big season for the quarterback, right? Like, he just got paid 40 M's. You don't want to see him take a step back. You don't want to see him completely you know, implode and get back to the turnovers. So I'm excited for it. It's not just, you know, we talk a lot of Jets just because they're making all the headlines, but the Giants, that's going to be an intriguing, a very fascinating story to watch unfold. So let's talk about it coming up next. 800-919-3776. Still an hour to play with. We'll get to the football uh, right here on 9870 ESPN.